I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Kia ora everyone and welcome to what is probably one of the most chaotic recorded episodes you're going to get from us as you know rubes and i are at instagram's creator week in bali right now we are we're here as the press we are girl bossing our way around um covering this event it's held in bali now one thing we probably should have done was ensured that we had a quiet room to record these podcasts in um hilariously we didn't make sure of that ahead of time so what you're gonna hear is a lot of doof doof music we're at a beach club and it's past 5 p.m so the music starts and it just refuses to stop but that's fine. I think there was also like a B-reel notification went off during it and we actually stopped to take the B-reel. What else happened? Oh, we were recording some some video content and like my phone ran out of storage. Ruby's phone died. It was just chaos, but very on brand for shit you should care about. Anyway, today we actually have a fucking interesting chat for you to listen to. We have got Matt Hay otherwise known as All Right Hey. He is a creator, he's a comedian, he's got a podcast, he's got a book. He's been in the industry for about seven years and he has got an interesting story that he's actually never told before. So he started on YouTube and I'm not going to spoil it, but he was sort of forced off of YouTube because they stopped monetizing his videos because he was hashtagging them with gay and LGBT and he has a really interesting story to do with that and then joined um, with Matt to sort of balance out maybe some of the things he says or just to be there as a voice of reason for Meta or for Instagram is Kirsty Wilson who looks after a lot of the creators, a lot of the future creatory stuff Um it's really interesting having these two together and Matt is so candid and Kirsty is just very wise. She's like the momager of creators. So I think you're really going to love this chat and honestly, chaos aside, it's it's definitely worth a listen. So enjoy. Kia ora everyone. I'm here with the absolute angels, Kirsty Wilson and Matt Hay. They're going to tell you who they are in literally just one second. But first of all, I've already disappointed them both by not bringing the espresso martinis that Ruby and I actually promised to them earlier, maybe last night, maybe this morning. So if they sound grumpy, it's actually my fault already. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you two, welcome to the podcast. Thank Love- you. Thanks for having us. Oh, yeah, thank you. Exciting. And we, we have to say this is Kirsty's first podcast oh, as well. And um, we didn't even get her a martini. <laughs> I would have chosen a spicy margarita, but oh. I'm happy to pop my podcast cherry okay. yeah. this afternoon. Yeah. Um, well, we're excited to have you here. 
And we should lead off by saying, or I should lead off by saying, we are at Meta's Creator Week in Bali. Rubes and I are very lucky to be here covering it as the media girl bosses that we are. Um, and you already know this because we've been following all of our content and what we've been saying about it, but we're here with two wonderful, well, one wonderful creator and one wonderful mother of all creators. Oh, the momager. I'm <laughs> the momager. We are going to ask you now, Kirsty, what is it you actually do? Why are you here? And then how do you know Matt? Okay, well, I actually am the momager here, oh. I feel like. Yeah. So Be I'm, Chris Jenner energy. I'm, oh, yes. Yeah, you're giving Chris. Two yeah. phones and a martini at all times. Oh. No, I'm the lead for the creator partnerships team. Um, working for Meta and I cover Australia and New Zealand and what that means is the creator partnerships team we spend all of our time working with creators across Australia and New Zealand there's three of us on the team and mm-hmm. we work with aspiring and emerging creators to establish creators like Matt and then also with public figures as well and our job is to work with them to build their brand and help them with their business Love it. And Matt, who are you? Hi, Joel. It's big show. Um, <laughs> I'm, first of all, so excited to be on this podcast. And, uh, yeah, my name is Matt, but you might know me better on the internet as All Right Hey, which way back in the day, that's how I used to start my YouTube videos. I was going to ask Yeah, that. that's how I got the name. Everybody always gets confused because back in the day, you had to have, like, a special way to start yeah. your YouTube video. So I would go, All Right Hey, welcome back to my channel. And so I just kind of made that like my name as well because that was a bit more fun than Matt. Mm. Um, and these days we say that Matt is the equivalent of Karen. So, oh. you know, I just a bit of flavor, you know, add a bit yes. of spice to the mix. Um, decided to go with All Right Hey. And so that's why I'm known as online. And uh, yeah, I'm a con- I'm one of Australia's content creators who's been around for... Bl- I've been around the bloody block, Joel. That's I've why been- we want to talk to you, Joel. <laughs> I've been here since for like seven years creating content on all platforms um, and still evolving. I now have a Spotify original podcast as well, Trash Alley, which like is a new venture that we've just kind of like... Mm. done and I'm like what's next you know what I mean like it's like you're constantly hopping and trying to stay relevant literally and um, I'm lucky enough that I <laughs> without sounding like an arsehole kind of been able to do that for seven years now and and this is my full-time gig and um, I'm very blessed and like I know my privilege and I'm just honored to be able to say that it's like my full-time thing because God it's the best bloody job in the world don't huh? it is and I feel like it's really nice when we've only been doing this for two years that she should care about full-time job. And every day you have to remind yourself not to take it for granted. Even when it feels like you're working for 12 hours a day, you're like, well, I get to do it for myself. I want to circle back in one second to you um, saying that you have been around for about seven years and you've had to evolve and jump on new things. Cause I know you've had a really interesting journey from all right, hey, on YouTube. Mm-hmm. But first of all, how do you two know each other? Why is it interesting that we've got you here together today? What's the relationship here? Well, we've got Matt here today, I guess, because he's a really influential creator in Australia and New Zealand. And we really wanted to bring a solid mix of creators to Creator Week mm-hmm. that are representative of the, I guess, market of creators in Australia. So there's a really strong mix we've got here from aspiring creators, creators you've never met before, actually, right? Mm. Um, 
but we've been working together. Well, I've only been at Meta for just over a year, but you've been working with the team at Meta for quite a few years now. Yeah. And our role would be to help troubleshoot if there's any issues going on, any questions about your Facebook or your Instagram, to talk to you about video, like how what advice we would give about best practice, what's going on. Um, what the hell, if you were doing lives, lots of different products yeah. that we have and kind of supporting Matt with his business and journey. Yeah, it's basically like also good because it just gets the info straight from the horse's mouth. So like we will get yeah. sometimes monthly or bi-monthly emails being like, this is what's trending. This is how to like make a video that's going to perform well. Like this is, and that also I like that uh, Meta or Instagram will send out emails and be like, don't forget this month, it'll be Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, etc. Mm. Like they'll, t- they'll remind you of like the upcoming things that you might want to make content about. Going back to, um, you saying that you give emails and things about how you, what are you so, laughing about? I'm laughing that it's just gone five o'clock and clearly the party started no, outside. I know. If you guys so, can hear, uns, uns, uns. Yeah, if it's it going, makes the cocktail thing worse. Yeah. It does make, the, but it makes us a very real podcast. It's like, just gotten louder too. We, Everyone, if you can hear that, just know we're working incredibly hard in here for you. <laughs> we're for missing you. the party to bring you the news. <laughs> to, br- to bring you the news. Um, Matt, I really want to hear about your story because I know you spoke earlier about you starting on YouTube mm. and how that maybe didn't go as planned. Yeah, definitely. I feel like I've never said this story in full uh, properly like anywhere on the internet before because obviously uh, spoiler alert I ended up having to like stop doing YouTube videos and move to Instagram when it was like more short form content as opposed to like long videos on YouTube but basically back in the day when I first started I started my YouTube channel and I started an Instagram and I started a Facebook and they were my like and a Twitter and they were my four main kind of socials but the only place that I could make money from was YouTube and you know back in the day like YouTube is just make, used to make so much money on yeah. had all these friends like making so much money from from YouTube and I wasn't really seeing the money flow that they yeah. were so I looked into my like monetization settings and things like that and saw that some videos weren't being monetized, meaning I couldn't make money on them. And when I looked at them, I thought, why is this happening? And I couldn't work out why, because it was saying not suitable for advertisers, but the videos didn't have swear words in them. They weren't talking about controversial topics. Like I was like, this is a pretty PG rated video. There are people you know, monetizing their videos, you know, swearing and doing all these sorts of things. So I was like, this doesn't make sense. And then I I went through all of the tags in the video as well and noticed that like I had said gay, LGBT and queer and things like that. Looking through all the tags going, nothing there is really alarming that would like not make something monetizable. And like when I looked at all of the videos as a whole, I noticed that any of the videos that I had hashtagged gay in were not suitable for advertisers or LGBT or queer or anything like that. And I was like, that's so weird. And so I went on Twitter and was like, um, so I think this is happening. I'm not really sure, but like, I'm pretty sure that YouTube is like shadow banning me from being monetized because I make gay content. And this got a little bit of traction, like a tiny bit of traction. A few big YouTubers, like I think Tyler Oakley, Joey Graceffa, um, oh. Colleen Ballinger, like Miranda Sings, they started to like, reply to this and sort of like ping that this was an issue a lot of people started to like talk about it but it was um kind of still on the scale that it got to quite small now youtube came out and did a tweet after it gained some traction and they said 
uh, this individual is incorrect. This is not happening on our platform. And to be fair, I was just like hypothesizing. Like, yeah. I didn't know whether that's what was actually happening. And they came out and they were like, this is not happening. This is not true. This is not correct information. This isn't happening. And also, I, that YouTube did a tweet. Literally. To this, like, to clear this up is just a weird merge of social media yeah. platforms. But continue. And so I then felt like people were calling me a liar and I was like, no, I need to like prove this now. So I went in and I, I actually like screen recorded the fact that if I had gay in the bio, uh, it was not monetizable. And then I took it out in the recording. I took it out and, um, hit publish again, same video, just the word gay gone and boom, the dollar sign came up and it was like ready for monetization. So I proved that this was happening. Then I encouraged my followers and people like Tyler Oakley and things to go and try this on their own channels, which they did. And they saw that as soon as they added gay, lesbian, LGBT, queer to their bio, boom. What year was this? Not suitable for advertisers. Don't quote me, but I think it was like 2017, maybe 2018. Not that long ago in the grand scheme of things. After this, there was a petition made. Can't remember who made the petition. Like 100,000 signatures or something ridiculous. Maybe 60,000 in like 24 hours. Um, And YouTube came out and had to say, we were wrong. This actually is an internal issue. And we didn't realize this was happening, but... This has been brought to our attention and we're uh, attempting to fix this. And I was like, okay, they've admitted it was wrong. Then flash forward. So that was all good. And then two days later, all the videos with hashtag gay on them were like monetized again. And I was like, yeehaw, I'm going to make the big YouTube bucks now. Now, here's where we get to the conspiracy theory of the whole thing. I don't want to say anything incriminating here, but in my humble opinion, something fishy went on because two days, uh, two days after the monetization issue was fixed, all good. Flash forward a week, my channel went from getting on average like 200 to half a million views a week across all my videos, um, across my channel to uploading a video and barely scraping in 2,000 views. So, and I lost 30,000 subscribers. I was so close to hitting 100,000 and almost 30,000 just unsubscribed in a week, which was just really random. And uh, basically my YouTube channel just absolutely tanked for no reason. And I mean, obviously I'd love to sit here and say that I may have been punished, um, maybe by the platform for, you know, speaking out about that and maybe embarrassing them. Um, but I also don't know whether that is the truth and cannot make that claim because I don't want to get sued. Yes. But that's that's what happened. And so in the end, I had to take my uh, content creation to a different platform. And that platform that I chose to take it to was Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Facebook, I was one of the first Australian creators to jump onto Facebook and start uploading um Facebook content and also was one of the first creators in Australia to access monetization and so get paid. And just a little bit of BTS for you. Let's just say you're getting like 50 cents for a thousand views on YouTube. Like I was getting like $5 for a thousand views on, that's not the correct maths. Oh, the doorbell is ringing. God, we have, everything's going wrong today, but that is just so on brand for us. So anyway, that's not accurate. It wasn't $5 per thousand views, but basically whatever you were earning on YouTube, it was like tenfold on Facebook, their monetization, they just paid more. I think it's called a CPM. 
Yeah. Um, I don't really know what that means, but it's just the amount of money you make and it was higher. And it turned out that I started making more money from Facebook than like some of the other people who I was like envious of on YouTube. And so that really helped and took off for me. But I think like the lesson there with social media as a blanket rule is like you have to be resilient and you have to be prepared to pivot because things can change in an instant. And for me, overnight, my entire income stream and platform that because youtube was the one i was putting all the time and effort into yeah um had to change in order for me to keep growing stay relevant etc and i feel like that's just been the game the entire time that's a great tip for everyone i think that's what we say to a lot of creators creators might say to us well i was doing this content a year ago and i was getting this many views and now i'm not Mm. what you know why and it you know sometimes it isn't this sometimes it might actually be you need to start peppering in different types of content so we always go test it test different types of content with your audience as well so that you're starting to branch out we're starting to figure out what works uh social media is all about trial and error yeah yeah you tr- and filing really fast yeah and if it doesn't work you try something else and if it does work do it a few times and you uh, know really fast you know yeah, really fast you know, if something's working or not yeah, working absolutely Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's it's so volatile. That's something that we actually found in 2020. We got, and I know you don't claim the word shadow banned. We were posting a lot about Black Lives Matter and we got some of our content removed and then people would search us like right beside us. They'd search shit you should care about. We just wouldn't come up everywhere. And so that was when we were like, okay, we need to diversify and we need to go across multiple platforms or Obviously, we didn't have access to... That was when we found Instagram was incredibly hard to reach for us to sort of appeal and say, why has this happened? We haven't done anything wrong and then get it fixed. I feel like that's where your role now, because this was, what, three years ago, two years ago, your role now seems to be making sure that if creators have something like that happen, there's actually a person for them to talk to and they can be looked after. Yeah, that's right. And I think that's absolutely our role is that creators can come to us and we can support their questions and queries. But also things have changed in a few years as well. And Mm -hmm. I think there's lots of work that's being done, you know, to make sure that our processes are robust. Some things are detected by AI. And I think it's actually going, okay, where's the human checks of things and how are things changing? So um, it's kind of, it's always a work in progress for all of the social platforms. Nobody gets it right 100% of the time. But I guess in that case, like the example of YouTube, where you had, they got it wrong. They had to say they got it wrong. And I think... That does happen sometimes. Did you get compensated at all for pointing out? That's really interesting because it just feels like it wasn't that long ago for this to have been happening. It wasn't. And obviously you could prove it to a point. Could you have gone out and said, like in a press release, um, YouTube did this. They stopped monetizing my channel because of this. 
Well, it's hard because, like, although I felt I had evidence, realistically, at the end of the day, how who am I to say how YouTube's monetization program works? Mm. I don't know. And that's a big difference as well. I didn't have a, a person at YouTube mm-hmm. to be able to call or email and say, hey, because that's a thing as well that I think is half the reason that we do have these partnership managers is because in the YouTube when that YouTube thing happened, I had to go to my Twitter and make it a whole public thing. Yeah. Whereas if I have Kirsty and I've got an issue, no one's knowing about it because I'm going to Kirsty to say, hey, can we fix this or what's going on? But I had no one and there was no one available. So it, I had to, you know, um, take it to pivot. a different... <laughs> yeah, pivot. Pivot. Be resilient. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and get the, some traction online. I actually think that... In a different way, this speaks to how sort of the power of creators has changed over time as well. That I think if something like that happened to you today, the power that creators have actually means that that probably would have got a whole lot more... Like, yes, you got massive traction with that petition Mm. and you made that change, but I think it would have got a whole load more traction. I almost wish it happened today. God, I would have gone far or dark. imagine the view this is, this is what's so bizarre about the world we live in is that it in a weird way it is your currency right having yeah. making sure that you can pivot and adapt and jump onto trends and sometimes that must feel or does it ever feel like you are sacrificing your authenticity to try and keep up with trends or have you found a way to make that work um, you know what? I used to always, uh, hide a lot from my, uh, audience in terms of like, uh, just trying to be this like perfect. Cause uh, again, seven years ago, every influencer was like a skinny white blonde girl laying on a beach. Mm-hmm. And I was a fat gay guy who worked at McDonald's who thought that he had to be acting like a skinny white girl laying on a beach. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I realized that. No one actually wanted to see pretty Facetune photos of me. People actually wanted to see, like, the real me. There was a real shift. And it was kind of just before the pandemic, but I think the pandemic, like, elevated and amplified the whole situation. That, like, now people actually don't want to see people living, like, a perfect life on fabulous Mm -hmm. holidays, laying on a beach, enjoying whatever. Like, they actually want to see, like, your... The things that piss you off each day. The mundane things that you worry about. They want to see, like ugly photos of you. They don't want to see like face tune and things like that. And once I realized that like, that's what people wanted to see and that the engagement on those sorts of things was so much more, um, than anything else I had posted, I was like, well, this is what I'm going to do. And it's not even forced. Like I won't purposely take an ugly photo, (laughs) but I'm going to take, you know, I don't know if everyone's like me, but if I get someone to take a photo of me, they're not taking one, they're taking a hundred. Um, and then, I pose like normal. I'm being authentic, but I'm going to post the ugly ones because yeah. they're, they're the ones that, um, so it's not about like being forced and I don't, I personally don't struggle with like feeling like, um, I have to stay authentic or anything because it just really comes naturally to me. I actually share too much with them. I think, um, there's probably some things I could restrain, re- uh, refrain from, from saying online. But don't you think brands are jumping on board so much more with that now? Like trusting creators to be authentic because they know that if they have creators in their authentic voice, um, it actually helps them. So some brands, yeah, but there are brands still stuck in their ways. And I actually, just before we came to this podcast, 
got an email from a brand that's just like, you need to change this and this and this for a sponsored post that I'm doing. And I just wrote back and said, um, this won't perform well. Um, it's Good. actually, your idea is really embarrassing. I'm, I'm embarrassed to do that. I don't want to do that. And um, if that's the way that you like and want it, I might have to pull out of this one because um, it's not worth me sacrifice. Like, yeah. yes. I'm not going to embarrass myself for a few grand. Like, I'm like, yeah. I'm going to like. Well, because it's going to be worse because your audience who are your like biggest asset and best mates you can't risk that for anything. They're worth way more than a sponsored mm. post. Mm. And it shouldn't even be a hot take that if you're authentic in real life, you should be authentic in social media as well. Because mm. social media isn't this like, well, it shouldn't be this fake world. It just makes so much sense. And you have to hold yourself accountable yeah. to that. We were speaking to some other creators before. Obviously, we've been roaming around and having chats with people as you do and that was one of the things that came up was your gut instinct is honestly your guardian angel and if it doesn't feel right and it won't perform then why would you why would you go through with it i mean money is one thing but sort of the longevity of yourself oh jeopardizing your brand is like the other half of it yeah that's the thing. Like, your audience just... And I think now more than ever with, like, the oversaturated market of creators, they are so willing to switch off from you because they've got a mm. hundred others yeah. that are on their radar. So, um, it is, like, challenging. And, and that's why I say I have no issue because I'm just like, well, I'm going to be authentic because that's what works. But yeah. the brands that are doing it the best are kind of giving those oh, loose breeze. You trust into the creators the, and say... Yeah. You yes. know your community best, and if yeah. we want to engage you and your community in the best way, yeah, we will just say yeah. Yeah, and I have, an, need a key I have an example. Uh, Domino's gave me oh, that was the best a brief, right? And the brief was so usually how it works for those who don't know when you work with a brand, usually it will be very detailed, and it used to be even more detailed, but now we still get a detailed brief, but you know. It's, uh, it's like, this is what you must not say. This is what you must not do. You must not show other brands. You must not do this. You must smile in your content. You must do this, blah, 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 blah. There's all these like rules and there's all these brand outlines and, uh, detail briefs just piss me off so much because I'm like, <laughs> and to be honest, don't even look at them. For mm-hmm. me personally, don't even read no, all of that. I, I actually film the content and send it to them and just hope they approve it. Um, because I'm not going to, force myself to smile. If I smile in the content, good. If I don't, then I didn't, then that's authentic. And Domino's I worked with, uh, earlier this year and their brief was, um, we're hiring. Yeah. And we just want you to tell them that we're hiring in whatever way you see fit. And that was like mind boggling for me that like the message of the video just had to be we're hiring. And I said, great, get me in store. All right, Hayes getting a job at Domino's because I used to work at Domino's too. So I was like, oh. 10 years later, full circle, yeah. and I'm back in. And again, fully authentic. It was just like my honest thoughts all day. I even said I didn't like doing some things. I loved doing other things. And they just gave me full creative freedom. And it was one of the best campaigns that I ever did. I fully enjoyed it. They fully enjoyed it. Love our working relationship that we have. And the videos performed really well because that was just so natural because they let me do whatever I want, but obviously still made sure that brand message of we currently have jobs available was Well, your partner's more in that campaign. 
the mm. collaborators and partners in that campaign rather than we were talking earlier about kind of the difference between influencers and creators and oh, I think kind yes. of in the past there's kind of been that influences that sort of passive relationship that a brand would give you really you know all of this information you just have to then post a picture or something like that and then that's it mm. you do what we want you to do and you know, not really trusting the community that this per- that the creator has actually built. A creator now is engaging their community, producing video content, involved in that whole creative collaboration. Mm. And I feel like with, because we started our account um, in 2018 when influencers were selling like waist trainers and teeth whitening and, and things like that. And I think people just learnt too much about how that worked. Learned that the influencers often weren't actually using the products. Now just getting paid a shit ton of money to pose with them and things like that. That this pivot to really authentic, natural creators or creating, it just it felt like it was bound to happen and I'm like fucking glad that it has happened. Mm. Um, I want to talk a little bit about well-being because I know that obviously we work in social media as well, and trolling is incredi- an incredibly unique phenomenon. Sorry, Be Real just went off another social <laughs> platform. Oh my god, <laughs> do we need to do your Be Real? Sorry, we have no, to pause to do Be Real. Oh. And the music's just Oh, we can't again. get you in. We can't get no, you, you in. No, you can't, no one knows who we are. Oh, true, and I've only got friends on Be Real. So, here we go, Ready? Yeah, gorgeous. Oh, no, stunning photo of us. I actually can't remember what I was asking. Sorry, well-being. 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 Sorry, the music is just edgy, like, making me piss myself. Yeah. Like we've waited till the end of the day to do this. And now Michael just keeps rolling his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? We're being authentic. No, we <laughs> and you've got to be resilient. So there oh you go. <laughs> um, we could pivot and go to another room, but nah, too hard. No, honestly, we're lazy. <laughs> we're actually lazy. We're going to pivot now to one of my favourite topics, trolling. We have had our fair share of trolling, especially during the Trump election cycle. And the way we deal with it is just sort of not being able to picture the actual people behind their commenting mean shit because we don't know them in real life. I wonder, Matt, have you had trolls? Do you have any stories about trolls? How have you dealt with them? And then, Kirsty, I know that there's some new sort of blocking things we can do so let's start with you okay so yes uh obviously i've had trolls and on every platform for all of eternity Mm -hmm. um for me i first of all came into the social media game when i was around 21 22 so it's uh not like i kind of joined social media and started doing this when I was like in high school and still I think that's a huge factor I was 22 I felt like even though I look back now I definitely wasn't but I was a pretty level-headed like adult I had had a few years of adulthood like I, I had experienced a bit of the world you know and the other thing as well is like I was still uh dealing with trolls in real life and of course in high school like I was physically assaulted in high school like multiple times um just for being who I was and in high school I was totally never said anything Mm. like never went out of my way to like be a sassy bitch like I am today (laughs) like there was none of that back then I was a quiet 
timid little boy who just got absolutely beat up because I was an easy target. And so going through like stuff like that, to me, someone calling me a fag in my comments is like the least of my worries when I literally have to be careful. I mean, obviously on this podcast, people can't see, but in uh, if you look at my social media, you'll see the outfits that I wear, the glamorous caftans, the dresses and the heels, full makeup, jewelry, everything like that. Like I have to be cautious of walking down the street. Mm. So for me, I am blessed that online comments have honestly, trolls have never actually affected me because I'm much more worried and have to worry about day-to-day, just people in general, in real life. Um, Which is fucked up. Yeah. Which is really sad, but that's just, like, one of the reasons that I think um, that's why it's never affected me. I also want to say that it's all engagement. Like, people commenting and hate on my... Um, pages actually will probably more likely share it to their friends. Yeah. Who, and if they comment hate as well because they're in the same boat, it'll share it to theirs. I might find a new audience thanks to this person commenting on my on my post. And um, it's all like I don't know how the algorithm works, but I just see it as like more engagement, more comments. My page will look more popular. So optimist, you know, the algorithm might love it. Um, but I also am not afraid of a block and a delete. Yeah. And I definitely use those. Look, I also think my Instagram is like, um, my, it's my brand and I wouldn't want somebody coming to my Instagram and seeing the comments filled with hate because yep. one, if they're a hateful person, it'll encourage them to comment. Uh, and two, I don't want that sitting there because it's yeah. my bloody page, yes. you know? And I think as well, uh, the other thing is if someone was to come to my page and see not a single hate comment, they're outnumbered. And so just psychologically, maybe they're not going to leave a hate comment. But if they see like six other people saying it, they'll be like, oh, we've got, we've got a, we've got a team of us here. So I feel like, um, backed up. So I, but I block and delete anyone and everyone. Delete every comment that I don't agree with. I'll block you if you get really nasty. I use the restrict tool mm. on people who, here's the thing, because the other thing is as well, the things that do hurt me are, are not the trolls that just come on and go, fuck you. The people that hurt me are the ones that like actually genuinely follow me, but they they just think, they just make inappropriate comments. Mm. So because I am open with my audience, there's like a, a certain amount of my followers who like, think we're besties and think they can like poke fun at me and like, you know, I'll, they, they they comment on every post and they like every post and they reply to my stories. Like they're a genuine follower. They love me, but they'll say things like, darl, the dress is hideous. You know what I mean? But they're just joke. Like they're just trying to have friendly banter, but still looks like a hate comment to everyone else. Yes. So they're restricted, which means that they can still comment, but no one else can see it. Yeah. I love that awesome trick. Yeah. And then the other one as well is, do you have, do you use hidden words? I actually have used hidden words now that you say that because I have put in like my street name in case someone wants to dox me. Um, I put in like my suburb. When I worked at McDonald's, phone number's a good one. Phone number's a good one. When I worked Mm -hmm. at McDonald's, I put in, I worked at Bado Bay McDonald's. I put though like uh, iterations of that, Bado Bay, Bado, Maccas, McDonald's, put all those in hidden words because people would come in and then they'd go and comment on my Instagram, just saw you working at Bado Bay McDonald's and I'm like, I don't want people knowing that. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I do use that tool. To know your own strategy as well. Like, I think you've got the confidence that you will be like, 
I don't mind that that's there for engagement. I think different creators are different. And Mm. if you are just starting out and you're letting negativity get to you, you have to be able to have that confidence to either have someone else that might go in and delete stuff for you or block or delete. We used to, Mm. I used to work in a previous job on um, The Bachelor, The Bachelorette. So there's a lot of people that were coming in fresh to social media Mm -hmm. and not knowing the kind of profile that they would get in a very, very short period of time. And it would be, and it could be overwhelming, the positive and the negative. So, yeah, you have to be able to have a strategy to deal with that, and it might be a support system around you as well. You've also got to be like a little bit of a narcissist <laughs> 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 to, to like be a content creator, creator and be like, I'm, you know, I'm I love the authenticity you know I mean? and the self awareness. Like, yeah, but that's what I mean. Like people who aren't, um, it, it it sounds bad. I don't know how to word it correctly, but. You do need an air of, um, what's the word when you just a bit, you, you don't you, give a fuck. You, no, but like there's a, like a, you have to have an air of like no fucks given yeah. in a way to, about you. That's what I said, but <laughs> <laughs> said, no, I couldn't possibly think you don't give a fuck. You changed it to no fucks given. No, there's like an air I'm of deep. like, I don't know what the word is, but Change it confidence. Idea. I don't know. But yeah, an air of confidence about you, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Which you've just proven in exactly that action. <laughs> no, no, Lucy, you're actually no, not no, wrong. No, no, you're wrong. I'm right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Well, you definitely have the air of confidence about you, Matt. Um, I have one last question. It's about something we spoke about last night. We were talking about different audiences on different platforms and you've actually been through a few different platforms, <laughs> dare we say it. Mm. Um, you were talking about TikTok in particular and how the value of followers on TikTok is different to the value of followers on somewhere like Instagram. And you said that Instagram was your favorite to mm. work on. Why is that? What's the difference? Well, firstly, I also want to mention like if some, if, if you have you know, as so many have lately gone viral on TikTok, it's really important to like cross promote your other social platforms and like encourage your followers to go and follow you on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or whatever you else you might have, Snapchat, whatever. Um, because like what happened with YouTube, it was actually good that I already had a bit of a following on Facebook to kind of kickstart that from that story earlier. And of course I had a bit of an Instagram following as well because I had like cross promoted on my YouTube channel to go across to my Instagram. So that's one of the biggest things is like, um, the, the, the best, the the other thing to think about as well is like you charge different rates when you collaborate with brands on Instagram, as opposed to TikTok, as opposed to podcasts, as opposed to, Mm. I did get paid once to do a tweet. It wasn't oh. worth my time, though. <laughs> and I you just throw that in for free. Yeah, yeah? and well, uh, I wouldn't do it at all. But you know what? I don't Did you have to I... put hashtag ad in the tweet? Because uh, that would this, just ruin a tweet. This was years ago, and I think it might have been before those like regulations yeah. came about. Um, but I'm sure I did because that's actually one thing I'm big on. I have never not declared that yeah. my post is sponsored, and people don't realize that. First of all actually in the terms of service again i told you at the start of this podcast like i actually use all the tools mm. correctly because you know and um instagram can actually like i don't know what they do but if you don't use the tools correctly and and 
say that your post is sponsored, you might be able, you might be getting in trouble for that. So mm, yeah. it's just some, and also I live my life just trying not to get sued. So yeah. I don't want the ACCC or whoever it is coming after me for not doing it. And um, I actually think it's the respect for your audience as well. Yes, well, that's the major that, thing. That too. That's <laughs> and finally, uh, narcissism aside. <laughs> but um, anyway, I'm getting off track here. But the point is, uh, I. That's why you need, it's important to have like as many different platforms as you can because one might fail and you want to have like different audience to, audiences to serve different purposes. Now, the Instagram versus TikTok thing that we were talking about last night, I was saying that on Instagram I have around like 80k followers and on TikTok I have around 230k, so substantially bigger following on TikTok. However, what I find interesting is uh, the community that I've built is all on Instagram. Mm. So on TikTok, I reckon I couldn't tell you who follows me. Mm -hmm. I could look at my analytics, but I couldn't tell you uh, if I didn't have my analytics who's following me. People aren't able to DM you on TikTok. They realistically aren't able to get a deeper connection with you on TikTok. You can DM people if you follow each other. Yes, that's actually a community building like barrier. So that's what I mean. There are lots of ways that on TikTok, although it's like, wow, I have all these hundreds Mm. of thousands of followers. I actually like don't know their names. I don't, you know, I have on Instagram, I'm in the DMs with people who I know what they do for work. Mm. I know what they ate for breakfast. I know Mm. their opinions on certain topics and I recognize their names every time they message me because they're allowed to. You know, if someone's commenting on every single TikTok of mine, I'm going to be honest right now, I actually haven't noticed Mm. um, and I'm not paying attention because it's totally different. And so I think that when brands look at uh, people with like 3 million followers as opposed to someone like me with like 80,000 followers, I can almost guarantee that like I have a stronger community than that person because... Um, there's just no way that that person is like forming that connection with their, uh, with their audience. And I have, and I did it on Instagram and it's honestly, that's why I love Instagram the most. And I always say like, it's my favorite platform to use. And it's the one I also put the most time and effort Mm. into. So even though I got more followers on TikTok, Instagram gets all the time and effort. Because scale isn't everything. Yeah. Community, meaningful people in your community is everything. We find the same. We do have 3 million followers, but they're on our Instagram and they're there for like a good time, not a long time. They want to read your shit, read the news. But then we also have a newsletter, which has 60,000 followers and they're the most engaged community I've ever met. Mm -hmm. And so it's exactly what you're saying. It's really, really interesting. The number doesn't always equal the value and yeah, with TikTok, I mean, I follow people on TikTok and I never scroll through the feed of who I follow. Well, so. What brands are looking at is one side of it, but the other side of it is how you're building your own brand and what you want to get from that. So mm. for you, that's about the podcast. You've just released a book. Mm. It's how you're using your community to drive your other business mm. goals as well. Mm. And when, when you're talking about like for my live shows, for example, I could see where traffic comes yeah. from through my uh, like link tree sort of thing that I have. It's called Milkshake. Mine's a bit different because it's a bit prettier. I've used it because <laughs> um, it's pretty. You can see where people have like clicked from and I could tell that like my Instagram stories and my link in my Instagram bio, even though I have less followers and the TikTok may have got more views, 
the TikTok got like 30 taps and mm. the Instagram story got thousands. Mm. You know what it's I mean? It's driving real world results as well. Yeah. So there's that aspect as well that like, I just think that, I think it's just different how you use it though. Yeah. Like Instagram, I don't just sit and scroll. Yeah. Like on TikTok, you kind of just go mindless. Yeah. Whereas on Instagram, like I am interested in what my friends are doing. Mm. Um, whereas TikTok, like, it's just like random people, you know what I mean? So it's like, I don't really give a shit about them. Yeah. But Instagram, and you'll probably never see them again. Like, exactly. Yeah, like, even the people you follow don't even show up again. You know what I mean? Like, it's all wrong. But anyway, um, sorry, we keep talking about TikTok. This is Instagram creator week. Everyone yeah, creator right. week. I feel like it was a really meaningful comparison that did come back to creators and, you know, using the platform for, to your benefit. And if it is, chasing your other business goals and not just chasing like huge views that are you know one in a million um on other platforms i feel like it's just good for people to hear how different ones can be used with different people i mean everyone's chasing huge views you've just got to be holistic about the whole thing well yeah and the other thing that i love about instagram is is the consistency because Sorry, this has become like a <laughs> the difference between Instagram and TikTok. But it is interesting and I think it's important to point out because people think that um, like TikTok is like the way to, you know, explode. And I disagree because on Instagram, I have a consistent amount of like views each time. And I know that when I either offer a brand or when I just post my own content for the sake of it, I kind of know the expectation of how many likes it should get, how many people should comment, how many people are going to be interested in it. I can kind of gauge that. Whereas TikTok's like kind of all over the shop. You know, one vid might be 500k, then a million, then 800 800 views, not even a thousand. It's so different. And so that's why I prefer using Instagram just because I know what I'm getting. And there's like, it's like stability. You know what I mean? Like there's stability there and I need that, Del, you know? creators need that because you need to know where how you can sell yourself how you can position yourself and where your next paycheck's coming from Mm. this has been honestly enlightening having you two here together to balance each other out like the momager and (laughs) the unruly child sitting in front of me and the music everyone if you have heard the bangers playing in the background it has been both the bane of our lives and it's made this very enjoyable yeah. for me. Music on, doorbell ringing and still not a bloody cocktail. I oh, know. But I think we might, that might be we next. We need three now. We do. I'm over it. Thank you both for coming to hang out with us. It's been honestly the best. Great way to end a day. That's alright. Thanks for having Thanks us. Thanks for having us. Our pleasure. And everyone, if you want to go and find Matt... Is the best way to do that? Which on Instagram, at alrighthey. But I'm alrighthey all over um, the world. social media, all over all platforms. But also, seeing as this is a podcast, if you want to listen to my podcast, I have a Spotify original, so it's only available on Spotify, and it's called Trash Alley. So come check listen. us out. Aww. I'm just as chaotic every week, doll. <laughs> He's authentic. <laughs>
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.